everyone and welcome back to another episode of Women Talk Tech. Today I'm joined by Bettina Fisher, co-founder and CEO of HiFi. In this chat, we discuss her career journey and her main motivation for founding HiFi and what she enjoys the most about being a founder of a tech company. We also discuss the first 100 days as a founder, as for many, the question of where to begin is super daunting. Beyond that, what happens after the first 100 days? Bettina shares her advice on how founders can make it past the 100 day mark and ensure their business is a massive success. Super excited for you to hear this conversation. So Bettina, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Thank you for having me. My name is Bettina. I'm founder of HiveBuy. HiveBuy is an e-procurement solution, which is targeting mid-sized companies as of now in Germany and the DACH region, so um, Austria and Switzerland. And uh, we're now also expanding to a webshop B2B market. And we're located in Berlin. Our team has now yeah, 15 people and yeah, I'm happy to be here today. Nice, nice. And just to kind of kick things off on the kind of DNI topic, what does DNI mean to you, and why would you say it's important to you? So DNI means for me to have to live in a culture and society that is super diverse and also that is kind of leveraging the the, the benefits and the strengths that everyone has and brings on the uh, brings to the table and um, for me it's really important because actually I'm the only woman in our startup so we are not, we're now having one other woman starting in September and I just see that it's so so much needed to have diverse teams to be sex in order to be successful yeah yeah oh wow to be fair I was from the very beginning stages to be fair I was, to be fair, I wasn't the first, but I was, I was the first female. And then, yeah, we soon hired. So, yeah, I do get what it's like to kind of be the first female, especially in a startup, for sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now think about founding this kind of startup and then you realize that you only find women who want to work, who only, that you only find men who want to work with you. Yeah. So, yeah, take us back to the beginning. How do you get to where you are today? How, how are you now the CEO and co-founder of HiFi? Yeah, actually, that's kind of a funny story because I never wanted to found a startup. I just worked, I used to work in finance, did finance optimization projects and so on in bigger companies as Lidl and Zalando and so on. And well, I realized at one point that actually my mental health was not that well and I didn't want to make other people richer where I don't follow their purpose and so on. And then I spoke with a lot of founders and other companies and actually I wanted to start the, a, a standard CFO career because I always did work in finance. I always did optimization projects. So I thought this would be the ne next step. And while I was talking with um, the dedicated founders, I uh, one of them told me, hey, Bettina, if you're going to solve the problems that you saw in your last uh, in your last um, jobs, then I'm going to offer you a 50% position and also a first business angel ticket. And actually, that's, that's how I started and that's how everything began. Because then I had actually the, the, the I would say, the, the capacity and also the money to really start thinking about something and how to solve the issues that I tackled in, my, in the bigger companies I work for. Wow. So the main motivation really came from not wanting to help rich people get richer. <laughs> how cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, you see, when you're working in a bigger company, you always realize at one point that you just like 
a really small part of it yeah. and if you would be there it's if you would be there it's great or if you're not there it's also okay so that was kind of that was kind of something that that gave me a, a kind of crisis yeah 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 and i guess what challenges have you faced uh, as a female uh, co-founder ceo how have you kind of found the journey so being a first time founder i think this is something what we also need to take into consideration there were a lot of things i mean at the beginning for me it was like just getting thrown into this pool of startups and this whole bubble in berlin this berlin startup bubble is really big and then it's kind of navigating through knowing with whom you need to speak how you need to kind of position yourself and so on this was really tricky also when you're thinking so actually i was I felt kind of alone being in a software as a service B2B startup back then. And what what I what I learned or what were actually my, my problems back then was um, that I just when we decided to to do a fundraising round, I just pitched in front of men and actually then you just realize that they are just speaking with your co-founder, even though he's the CTO and he's not the one who's, I don't know, <laughs> dealing with all of the numbers and also dealing with the business case and so on. But at one point I just sat there and I thought, okay, sorry, do you want to talk with me as well? Because actually I'm the CEO of the company, but no, <laughs> do you. Wow. So that, that was a challenge itself, you know, just trying to navigate being still the only female in the room of a room full of males making a decision based on your own company. Crazy. Totally. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And on the flip side, what do you enjoy the most about being a female founder of a tech company? What's like, what's your favorite thing? <laughs> Actually, I, I really like to bring kind of a personal note into the things so i see so compared to my co-founder i'm rather more the the leading part of the company so i kind of try to to give them to give the team more space to express their feelings to discuss things to also kind of bringing up their characters ideas and so on so kind of enforcing this and this was this was this is a pretty cool way and i mean also I don't think that it's just like focused on being a female founder. I think it's just great that you have this kind of vision and this purpose and you can just do every day something where you what you believe in. And that's that's so amazing. Every day when I enter our office, I'm like, okay, crazy. We're here. Wow. Wow. How cool. <laughs> and, you know, really keen to dive into a, a really cool topic because I think becoming a founder can be scary it can be intimidating and I think to be fair most women are probably put off by it but just because of how overwhelming it can be and I think those first 100 days kind of like have you, I don't know if you've watched uh, 90 no what was it the 90 day fiance where you kind of test out being married for 90 days yeah. <laughs> I love it <laughs> I, I cannot imagine being a founder very similar right the first 100 days are a kind of make or break you're either gonna not make or break but it's either gonna be amazing or you're gonna think why did I even do this? So, you know, let's start from the beginning because really keen to kind of know how you found it and how your experience has been. So let's start from the beginning. You have no capital. How do I actually get started? Like, where would you advise me to go? <laughs> so first of all, I would advise you to speak with a lot of people about it. 
So I, I see that there are a couple of founders, especially female, that don't want to share their maybe not ready ideas and so on. But I think this is super important that you really start to pitch in front of people that know you, where you're not that nervous and so on, and where you can kind of um, build the idea together with them. And at the beginning, it was also for me kind of overwhelming because as I said, I was I was never keen to found anything. Yeah. So I never kind of, I never tr looked into these kind of things. I never read the relevant magazines, newsletter, whatever. And I just like, I would just was like, okay, well, we've got this idea. How do we start? And what we did at the beginning was really just, we didn't think about capital at the beginning. We didn't think about how to do the business model and how to get the monetization about it. We really tried to speak with companies, with potential users, and trying to build this whole idea. So it's it's really about first identifying what you even want to do, because yeah. you see that at the beginning, everything is kind of fluffy. So every, at the beginning, we were like, yeah, we want to build an e-procurement solution for startups. But then we realized, well, startups, they don't know, e they, they don't need e-procurement. They just order everything in Amazon and they're happy and they don't want to take care of this and that's totally fine. Yeah. But if you're speaking with people, it's kind of finding this, this USP, finding your ICP, finding or defining actually a couple of hypotheses. I think this is something what we could have done better yeah. um, is really defining clear hypotheses and then validating them. I think we were just like, let's see how it goes. <laughs> but I think this would, would have been something what also would have given me the the right strength and confidence to also start later on with fundraising. Because as, as just everything happened and I really didn't have any hypothesis back then, I was, um, every, everything just happened and I really didn't know if I did something right or if I was just lucky and I really also didn't know if this is now really the ICP, the buying persona, whatever um, I'm now selling to and is it are these even the right arguments that I'm currently using? So it's, it's super interesting and I think this is actually the first thing that you need to do. And then afterwards, try to, to think about how you would like to monetize everything and then define how you would like to get capital. So I think it's not super important to directly, I think this is also one, one small mistake that we made back then is we directly thought, okay, the, the right approach is going to be the whole VC case. I mean, we raised our first money in 2021. The, the market was great back then. And yeah. we just were like, we just had a, an, an idea and we had, we found directly business angels and so on. But I think nowadays, and also if I would found again, I would really try to apply for grants first, because when you're applying for grants, you're also kind of forced to, to put everything on paper and to really make up your mind about what you're doing, building business cases and structuring everything before you even start. And then think about if you, do you even need VC or VC money, or do you even need business angel money? If you decide that you need VC money, then directly get in touch with maybe VCs and try to validate your idea and ask them, what do you need in order to give me money for yeah. which stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's so true. And I think most people assume that to do well, you have to go down the VC route. And to be fair, it's not the only way you can, you can generate capital, right? And I think that 
that for me would probably be a mistake I would make. I'd be like, yep, straight to the VC, let's, let's get some more money. But then also like, how does that even work? And, and for female founders, we know the amount of funding is really low. So that could be a struggle in itself. Yeah, totally. And I think also that you're you're lacking the knowledge if you're doing it the first time. So you really need f friendly VCs that are kind of taking you by the hand and tell you what to do and what not to do. And this is actually, if you're already at this point, I think that's not the right approach. So being now in this position, I would have need I would have had needed to speak with more people about how fundraising works, what are the indicators, what are the KPIs, and so on, in order to be more. Um, confident in, whole, in the whole pitching part yeah and also what what i also did at the beginning was i mean i really needed to 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 dig into this whole startup scene and i really went to all of the events and fairs and so slush in helsinki was an amazing event and so on and it's really kind of giving you also the feeling how startups works how startups work and also you see there that VC is not the only money you can get. And actually, this was a great um, eye-opening event for me because I really realized that it's not easier, it's not harder, it's just super different. And this would have been actually a nice experience beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what was maybe one of the biggest struggles that you had in the first 100 days? Because I'm sure there could have been quite a lot. But what was there, if there was any, like, big event that you were like, oh my gosh, this is, this is going downhill from here. <laughs> what was the biggest struggle for you in the, very, in the very early days? So not knowing anything made me believing everything from people that, that seemed kind of reliable, let's say it like that. Yeah. So when, when, when an old white VC came to me and told me, Bettina, you need a salesperson in order to do sales for High Five, I directly started looking for someone and actually this was, was also my biggest mistake like hiring that early a vp sales who didn't i mean founder that sales is the best sales that, that you can do at the beginning it's also the easiest and cheapest one yeah and actually these kind of things so i really followed a lot of weird assumptions and weird people that i wouldn't follow anymore yeah. <laughs> because everyone has something to say you know and everyone has they have always i think what is so crazy about this whole startup world is that the people are always seeming like they know everything yeah. they have the biggest pockets they have the uh, the most successful startup and so on and then two two weeks later you see that they're bankrupt or in so, uh, bankrupt and you see that that was always just like lies or yeah. i wouldn't say lies but they're exaggerating a lot and this was also making me super um, nervous because I always thought well oh, okay what did they do and what did they do how did they do this what what am I doing wrong yeah yeah and I guess in, in the early days as well when you don't know much anyone that says anything you're like oh my gosh that's gospel like you know for me whenever I go to the doctors I'm like oh yeah that that that's it they you know that they know what they're talking about especially when you feel like you don't know so I think in in this case as well when you are a first founder you don't know much. So anything that anyone says, you're like, oh, okay, we must listen to that. So yeah, I could definitely see that being a, a big struggle for many startups out there, female, male, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Actually also when I'm, when I'm meeting other f founders, doesn't matter if, if male or female, I'm always like, 
can I talk to you honestly or do we need to do this whole dance and telling that everything is fine? And then all of them are like, oh, yes, finally I can talk with someone. Oh, this is not good and this is not good. And really, we need to change this and that. Yeah. Like, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to speak openly with people. Yeah, definitely. And what about a big success? You know, in the first 100 days, you know, let's be honest, we may not expect too much success, but who knows, some good may come. What about, you, yeah. yeah, what about some big successes you had in, in the very early stages? Because I think it's really important to talk about the good things. It's not all doom and gloom. It's not so much struggle. It can be fun and it can be good. I mean, actually, I think the first 100 days were ex a, a rare success because I mean, you, just, <laughs> you stepped out of your comfort zone. You really try something new, what you never did before. You kind of get positive feedback from people that you, that you've, that you think they're reliable, but this was the other topic. But I think, I mean, this is this is like, it's, it's a crazy, crazy journey that you're starting. And I think you should celebrate every step that you take into this direction. So at the beginning, we also applied for all of these Microsoft accelerator programs, Google accelerator programs and so on. And every time, I mean, now I know that it's just everybody's getting in there. But back then I was like, oh my God, we made it to the... Google startup program, great. <laughs> and we just celebrated everything. And I think this is super, super important. Yeah, how amazing. And I guess on to, uh, back to the funding topics, I think that's really interesting for people that maybe don't raise funding in the very early days, they kind of use their own savings or they get a grant. When is the right time to then start fundraising in your, in your kind of own personal experience? Are there any you know signs that people should look out for? When do you think Okay, cool. I need I need to go get VC money now. <laughs> so I, I can first tell you how we did it, and then I can tell you how I would like to do it now. <laughs> so I mean, at the beginning when we started fund uh, raising funds, we had our business model completely written down. We we had a business plan. We no, we knew what to do. We knew knew how to do, and we were just like about to start with an MVP and my co-founder already built a click MVP, but it was nothing special. But then we realized, okay, in order to really um, show something and to test something, which might be ugly, but in order to do this, we would need at least one developer. And then we realized, okay, maybe we should also try to get as much money as we can as in a in a business angel round so we really asked friends business angels and so on in order to 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 invest in us with convertible loan agreements and i think so you spoke about personal savings and so on actually i'm not a fan of putting all the money that you save for you and your financial stability into a company that might fail yeah because I mean, it it really depends on your savings. But what is what is if shit hits the fan? What are you doing if you're not like? I mean, you're not earning in the first couple of years. You're not earning a lot, and you're kind of. I mean, you still want to live, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting married next week, and if I wouldn't not have savings, I couldn't save up much and with my with my startup salary now. And I think this is really something what you really need to figure out whether this is important for you i would rather go with business angels and maybe yeah, friends 
but I, we went with business angel and angels and this was a pretty good idea and then later at the year so everything took place in june july so one one actually one one big learning was don't do fundraising in summer no oh, one is going to yeah. respond <laughs> but just for me it was like yeah come on how long are they on vacation but then i realized vcs are not working in summer yeah. so everyone's on vacation now literally everyone like i'm like are they going to come back it's been like six weeks now what the hell <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I, I thought, okay, if they really want, if they really want to invest in us, then they're going to invest in us also in July. But well, I was wrong. And then we we did a in September, October another VC round, uh, another round with a I would say it's a boutique VC. So they did really they did not a big ticket, but it was already an organized group of business angels with LPs behind. And yeah, then we somehow had a lot of money and then we just started. I mean, this was great. But looking back, I would have had I would have put less money in development and rather start with a these with these click with these click softwares where you can just click everything together and then it's okay. We have these quick dummies and in the end. I would have had started with this so that Stefan and I, so me and my co-founder, didn't need to hire people that early. Yeah. But on the other hand side, these people that are worked back then with us are still with us two years later. And this is amazing. So everything has his his every, everything is can be also positive. I mean Yeah. Yeah, that's actually my next question, because I think funding is one thing and, and you need the funding to be able to hire. On the hiring side, again, like when when did you know it was the right time to start growing your team? Because I think for, for many people, the thought of having to pay more people when they don't have money is quite hard. So when did you kind of see the right sign to say, hey, now is the right time we need to start hiring? So at the beginning, we just figured out what is, what are the things that we can't do. Yeah. So for example, for us, it was like really deep development. So we hire directly developers and then we made this mistake to, to hire a salesperson at the beginning, which was totally bullshit. So I would say you need to think about the things that you can't do or where you're not good in and then put the money there. So let's say we, we identified a gap in development. I thought that I would have a gap in sales, but actually if you're founding a company, then you should also be able to sell the product yeah. and you, you should start hiring a salesperson when you have, I would say, 10 clients or something like this. So when you really know what, when you really can teach them yeah. how the clients are kind of behaving in their, in their sales cycle and so on. Yeah. And this makes you're even stronger in regards to fundraising because if you're pitching your tool or your product three, five, ten times a day, then you get also used to speak to other people. You get out of your comfort zone and you just get used to, to do this. And you're not kind of, you don't need to make like directly the, the bigger hirings that are super expensive. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Because I think that that's probably a... a you're right. If you can't sell your own company, who who else can? So in the very early stages, right, sales is not so important. I would argue, probably the development, the actually getting the product up and running, and then you can kind of sort out the sales later when when say you don't have the capacity to do it all. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I guess from your side, Bettina, what's the one piece of advice you would give to a female founder or any founder, but of course a female founder would be great that you wish someone would have told you in the, in the very early days? Yeah. What would that be? I think it's for me 
it would have been something for me like you can do it so yeah. there are a lot of people that already did it and there are a lot of startups that already failed and it's already a great step that you even started it and that you even try to solve a problem that you saw because this is already the biggest step and i know that speaking of imposter syndrome and so on i know that you're always kind of struggling with yourself and thinking about if you're really the right person doing this if you're really the the person who's who's doing the sales so yeah. it's like you always have these these thoughts and i think everyone has these thoughts and it's about how you can deal with it so i, I read one book it's from horowitz i think it's the hard it's, the name is hard, the hard things about hard things as at the beginning hey everyone is struggling everyone has problems it it's about who's dealing the best with with these struggles and thoughts so you need to accept it and you need to live with it and that's i think this was actually an eye opening statement for me because i was i always thought i always thought that the others were much better than I was and so on. But then he was like, yeah, you, it's not about how uh, everybody's facing these kind of issues and obstacles, yeah. but people that are, su that are succeeding are the ones that can deal with it. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. And I guess beyond that, you know, you've reached the 100-day mark, which is amazing, but it doesn't stop there. If anything, the first 100 days are really crucial, but what you do after those first days are even more important, right? So beyond the 100 days, the first 100 days, what happens? How do you still ensure that the business is successful and makes it through another 100 days? Mm -hmm. So actually, I think that you can't say after 100 days if your business is successful or not. Yeah. So I think this is, this is always, I think you're having these kind of thoughts that you always need to be that you need to always to have a big milestone or something like this, but you won't realize for a long time that you're successful or not. So actually me being now two years into HiFi, I wouldn't say to you that it's 100% successful. So I wouldn't go out now and being like super proud. And so, so I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of the team. And I think we're doing a great job, but it's not that we now founded Apple or something like this, where we directly, okay, nice, we made revenues, tons of revenues and so on. Yeah. So I think it's about what, what I think it's important is, and also this, this is one thing, what uh, one advice that one of our VCs gave us is, or gave me especially, writing down your monthly goals and measuring yourself against your goals. Because if you start measuring yourself and, and then you're stop comparing and you also have this kind of you, you also have this kind of reassurings that you're really good in this what you do in that what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true because you're right, you know, after a hundred days you know, you still got to keep going, right? It doesn't stop there. <laughs> and there's probably yeah. still so much work to continue doing. So yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. And I guess from your side as well, what's the one piece of advice again that you would give someone that's reached that 100 day mark, but you know, still wants to continue and, and still wants to keep persevering? What would you say to that person that's reached 100 days, but is still thinking, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> 
Look for fellow founders. Look for founders who are on the next stage. Speak with them and speak with them openly. I mean, there's a lot of bullshitting in this whole startup area, but you need to find a group of people that is communicating open and honest with each other. Because if you're always into in this in this toxic group of people where everything is amazing and great and super successful and revenues as I don't know, then you start, then it's just toxic. It destroys you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Because otherwise you just get so, yeah, you need help. I think, and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, hey, I want to be around other female founders who are struggling just as much as me. That's not a bad thing. You need to have a supportive environment. Otherwise, how do you, how do you kind of get through it by yourself? Totally. And I also, what I would recommend is finding these group, find this group of people within the city that you're located. So for me, I, I founded Female Founder in Tech in Berlin. So if someone is listening and is a female founder in Tech in Berlin, just approach me and I'm going to add you to our channel. Yeah. We're now 130 female founders there. And yeah, it's always great to meet up. And we always realize every time when we're entering this room that everything is kind of open, honest and real and authentic. And there's no one who's kind of trying to, I don't know, destroy the other person or I don't know, it's, it's really, it's really encouraging and supporting. And the other thing, what I think is super important is um, joining actually Slack channels. So founder Slack channels, there's, for example, one Slack, Slack channel from Landscape BC, and it's called Anonymous Founders. And you always, so actually you always have kind of rants in there you have questions about vcs or also in uh, i would say stupid questions when it comes to fundraising where you don't i don't tr dare to to ask someone else and you can always ask it there and that's super cool because everyone is anonymous uh, anonymous and you don't know who yeah who you're speaking with and everyone is also super supporting because so when you're when when you're writing something down there there you have at least five people who who answer this thread with been there done that you need to do that's so cool i love that i love that oh amazing well bettina honestly thank you so much for joining me i think it was such a great conversation because i think there are so many women out there that are thinking really want to found a company but what do i even do in the very first day so yeah thanks so much for sharing that and for being really open and honest about how the experience has been for you yeah thank you so much for having me it was so much fun thank you <laughs>